Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so delighted that you have joined us for a new episode here. Uh, my name is Peter on one of the hosts, and I'm standing, I am not standing, I am looking right across the screen to my awesome co-host, Sua Huang. How are you, Sua? Hi, everybody. Doing well? Yeah. School's going to come out soon, and you're going to have to take care of your kids for the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, but they're at like that good age where they're not teenagers yet, where they're like fighting with me all the time. But they're they're not like babies that need their butts wiped all the time either. They kind of are in that sweet spot where they are independent enough to yeah. not need my involvement every second of the day. But they're not so, so, so independent where they're going to bother me about like well, fight you, with me you, about things. So you told me that uh, you're you're your hope for the summer because they didn't want to go to camps like all summer. So yeah. they're not going to go to camps. They're just going to stay at home. So what's your, are you going to try to find things that you guys could do during a day? Or are you just going to say, here's your devices, go have fun. I'll see you in like oh, heck three no. hours. No, no, no. We okay. ha- we're like, I mean, I would not say we're super strict about devices, um, but they know the rules on devices. Yeah. Um, they, they can only, they're only allowed to do like, so, they can they're allowed to use their devices through the week but they're only allowed to facetime with their friends okay. if they're finished all their chores and their like schoolwork they can facetime with their friends because i feel like that's kind of the equivalent of us being on the phone with their friends like our telephones okay do you remember okay. when we used to have like yeah, yeah, telephones yeah. and they had wires and people would sometimes oh, trust listen me. in I on remember. another line and yeah. be like, get yeah. off the phone. I'm talking to yes. my friend. Yes. Like yes. That kind of, so, yes. you know, FaceTiming is kind of the equivalent, but they have to do it mostly with their doors. Like they have to do it with their doors. I mean, they have to be able to see who they're talking to and things like this, but they're okay. not allowed to play any games or do YouTube or any of that during the week. Um, during wow. the weekends, they're That's allowed to strict. do that, but only if they've read through the week. Like how much? So read. No, so no, so when we so the the rule used to be that they were once their battery started at a hundred and went to zero, they couldn't recharge it until uh, uh, they couldn't be it couldn't be plugged in until mm. they until they were reading. So only the okay. amount of time they read was the time yeah. of charging they got. But then recently, I actually kind of modified that. So now that we go to violin and they have to sit there for like an hour while the other one is doing, as long as they read during the, that hour and they don't complain mm. about it, I give them Gosh. unlimited charges on the weekend unlimited charges on the weekend yeah but i also but we also do a lot of things on the weekends and so i think i think the best strategy with the limiting of the screen time is to just divert them into other activities because i think as long as you're staying home and doing nothing it's inevitable that they're going to just gravitate it's inevitable absolutely like you know because we do the same thing yeah and and i just want yeah and i want you to know that um by the time lila gets to teenage years and goes to middle school and and high school you will have no control over her scream time at that point. She she will be her own independent person. So I, I want to see if you... this is true, but I feel like yeah. I have to... But she has to prove to me that she's going to yeah. be responsible, which is why my goal... I can't guarantee this is going to happen, but my goal is she will not have a smartphone until she hits ninth grade. Um, That is the very earliest that she will get wow. it. Wow. And I know other friends who've That's done so that with their kids. And so it is doable. I don't want to say it's impossible, um, but okay. because in the, in the middle school, I, I mean, we can do a whole episode on screen time. Wait, so what, what kind of media. phone does your kids have? Right? Do they have a phone? They don't have a phone right now. They don't have, I mean, I was in fourth grade. Okay. So she has that watch. You said she right? has that a watch. watch. Okay, Literally the reason why she has a watch is so that she can call you guys. 
is so she can call me if something happens at school, like a shooting. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm so yeah. terrified yeah. of yeah. an emergency situation like that happening and her yeah. having no way to reach yeah. me. Like it really freaks me out. And I know that's a little bit um, bordering on like anxiety disorder. No, but listen, we can't. The reality as, as, as parents, of our exactly. world is such that, Absolutely. you know, I need her to be able to contact me. There's no, unfortunately, she now has his watch and she contacts me for stupid things like, mommy, can you bring me my iPad, my school iPad? I forgot to pack it. Yesterday, she texts me and she's like, mommy, can you bring me $20? I need to buy something during Eagle period. I'm like, Lila, that this was not the intention of the watch. Like, you're not supposed to be asking me to do things for you throughout you the day. You just hook her up with like Apple Pay on the watch or something like that, you know, so she can just use your credit Absolutely card. Absolutely not. She cannot have <laughs> Apple Pay. Think she, I trust my child with Apple Pay. Oh, or she'll text me, be like, oh, mommy, can you buy me this slime like set? I'm like, Lila, yeah. aren't you in class? Like, focus on class. Like, why yeah. are you texting me to yeah. buy things on Amazon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I, hey, do you kids take any martial arts? So my kids used to do jujitsu. Okay. I feel like I talked about this. Oh, jujitsu. That's um, nice. They learn how to grapple, huh? But they stopped because of COVID. And okay. then they just never went back to doing it. But now okay. John is really... Well, for summertime, if there's nothing to do, they should maybe take jujitsu classes. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I am like a big proponent of self-defense. But... Yeah. I don't know. Like, can I just give them like a can of bear spray and call it a day? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do whatever bear spray you want, is whatever highly you want. effective. Do you, do you know about I, bear spray? Yeah. Uh, listen, if it can, if it can repel a bear, I'm sure it can <laughs> repel any human being. All right. So absolutely. But listen, I, Sue, I just wanted to say you're looking kind of buff. I'm not going to lie. You're looking buff. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. How could you tell? <laughs> you're such a liar. Because, you're because such I know, a liar. I know you have been working out crazy. With the tonal, tonal has been good to you, huh? You've been. I feel like it. I don't want to talk about this because I had um a few people ask me if they should buy the tonal, and I'm like, that is not the purpose of right. this podcast. But, but, is to influence you to buy more materialistic. Yes. Listen, things. listen. No, I do, I do. I have a question that I want to know, and I want to know if you can share with our audience. Right? I want to, I want to know your max weights that you're using on the tonal because I know they do they tell you like if you're like benching like what weight you're like what yeah the but it's equivalent not equivalent to free weights so it wouldn't really mean i know anything. i know i don't know i don't care about that i just want to know the weights that they put on there and i know they push you hard they want you to use more weights and it's kind of like a smart gym right because they're saying oh you can do more here you go we're going to add more tension and this and whatever right that's kind of what it does right the tonal yes but okay. I'm, I'm not yet at a place where they've truly figured me out so so I did a, okay. So for example, I did a four week program right. and every, okay. so the four week program repeats four days of exercises for four weeks, right? So okay. every day one is the same. Every day two is the same. Okay. Yada, yada. And every time I would do the exercise again, they would put on more weight. So okay. they, they haven't, I don't think they've quite figured my weight figured you out. ability yet okay. because it just keeps adding so, more. And I don't think it I, should be adding every week. You know what I mean? No, I think so. I think so. Let let, let it do its thing. But I want to ask you some some very like just oh, okay. I want to know what the weight you're using. And I'll I mean, share, I can look like, it up for you. Let's see. I want to I want to know your your. I'll share mine too. Your max bench press. What are you maxing out on these days? But I'm not maxing out. That's why I can't really give you a number. It doesn't matter. But what, what's the out. heaviest weight that you've been using on I'll your bench you. press? I will tell you. Come on, girl. Not very high. Share it with us. It's not very high. 
let's see, completed movements. I guess the lowest reps would be the highest weight. Yeah, it's super low. It's a it's a forty nine pounds. Forty nine pounds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's super low. Well, listen, you know what? That's the bar. It's forty five pounds is the bar. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's no, not but bad. what they do though is it makes it heavier when it comes down. Because they have yeah. to kind of replicate what it feels right, like to right, do right. with free weights. And so going pounds. up is lighter, coming down is heavier. Like also they want you to get the negative. They want you to get more of the negative as you're coming down. So that's why I okay. say it, unless you own a tonal, the, these numbers are not analogous to like a free weight number. Like it, right. when you start so the I, tonal, we're going into weird tonal territory right now. But basically when the, when you start the tonal, they tell you don't okay. base the weight you go on on the number that you would do on a, like at the gym with free weights, because they're not equivalent. Like they're like, they're, it's totally different. They're like, so are, are they, are they making the assumption that it's, you can do more free weights in terms of the pounds, as opposed to the tonal pounds that they're telling you? What, what, they what, say that the tonal should be lighter than your free weights. Okay. Okay. So I'm saying here, here's what I think. If, if you're doing 49 pounds on the tonal, I think you can probably do 75 pounds on the bench on free weights. But how many or, how many reps are we doing? One, one. But what's the Just point one. of doing one rep? You want to max out. You want to know how much. So you know, do you strength. when you bench? Do you? So I used to. We're gonna lose like a million listeners that we don't even I, have. I used to. We're gonna lose like thirty <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I you used do to do one I, rep and then you're done. Yeah, back in the day when I graduated. Just to see college, how strong you are. Yes. When I graduated from college, I was really into powerlifting, like just getting stronger and bigger and all that stuff. And I would I would work out and there would be like in like once a month, we would max out, see how much we can bench and stuff like that. And the highest I ever got to, I could never go past it, was 295. Okay, but that's, and that's pretty high. It's very yeah, it is hot. It's and you know, it's hard. High. It's hard for you say it like very oh it, no, 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 oh my... because I cannot tell you how much I wanted to do 300 pounds. You were so like, close. I cannot, you're so I close. cannot tell you how I wanted to do 300 pounds, but I just couldn't do the extra five pounds. And I've tried so hard for some reason. My body said this is absolutely your wait. Max. So that was when you were in college, right after college? No, right after that was when I was like 20, so... I would say 20, 21 to 24. Okay, but what about like old. now you've got like the old man strength, right? Like that no, middle I can't. Man I don't strength. bench anymore. No, I don't bench anymore. I just you just stop. Like, what about when you were doing hardcore exercising, like right when you started and you were like super super fit? No, but you know, with Maven, you mean Maven? We yeah. don't do benching. We never bench. You just do like so. Yeah, I mean, like if anything, I mean, you know, I can, I can, I mean, I can bench one eighty five. I without, you know, like but I can probably do that even is now. Really high. Two ninety five is pretty nice, That's but really but high. understand. Like even with me, like benching, because I have such long arms, it's hard for me to bench. Yeah, that's true. Then, sh then people who got shorter arms is so much easier for them. They don't have much. They don't have you know much uh, of a way to go. But for me, you it sound was like my daughter but, uh, when she's like, "Yeah, it's the reason why I can't play the song well is because my violin stinks." <laughs> everyone's always, you know, they're all everyone. Listen, it's, it a their equipment. it's a true thing. The best um, bench pressers <laughs> are the ones with short arms, bro. They're not the ones with long arms. <laughs> Did you just throw me? <laughs> Okay, we need to move away from the topic because you've started to bro me, and I feel bro, like now. Bro, so <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So no, I want to know more details about it. what about curls. Like, what are you curling these days? Like, what is are you, this our you... opening question? Is no, it about I have, the I have a serious one. Oh, geez. But this is a fun one. What's your curls? What do you, What are you using the curls? for the curls? Yeah, 
Why and then do I you, went like I said, why does it matter? I'll tell you what I did when I used free weights. I did 15s. Okay. When I'm using free weights on my okay. tonal. Oh, so you know what? That's like actually a good equivalent, right? So yeah. bicep curl on my tonal, 12 pounds each arm. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So, and I used okay. to do 15 pounds when I did free weight. So I think it's like a slightly less. All right, girl. Listen, um, listen. Last episode, we talked about gains. You better start getting those numbers up. All right. I want to see 20 pounds. The only thing that's curls. going up is my scale. <laughs> because it's you're eating so, so much protein. It's, it's because so you're eating so much. But you know, sad. muscle weighs more than fat. You know okay, that. That's right? actually a total misunderstanding. Don't tell me muscle does not weigh more. That's muscle true. weighs the same as fat. It's just that it's denser. So if you take one pound of muscle, it would be a lot less mass than the equivalent of one pound in fat. It doesn't actually weigh more. It's the same. It's just that it's much denser. So it's like, I think a clementine is one pound of muscle versus a grapefruit is one pound of fat. So this isn't way more. Serious? It's just that it's more compact. So why you got to always throw out these fat bombs to me? No, because I, I, I was doing a lot here. of reading back in the day when John bought me the uh, bodybuilding Bible for women. Um, no, body sculpting <laughs> Bible for women. I forgot what the book is called. But I told this story to a lot of people because I realized he had tried to put me on the program when we first started dating. Yeah, and I had completely missed it because um, <laughs> I was too secure in myself to never question yes, yes, whether yes, John was trying to, yes, 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 you know, urge me to. He was like, "Right now, you have the body of Britney Spears before she started working out. If you started doing this, you could get the body oh. of Britney Spears after she started working wow. out." Wow! No, did he? Really and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> That's a direct quote from him. Okay. So listen, and that didn't hurt you at all or anything? No, I was like, I was really okay. motivated. I was like, yes. Okay. Okay. I okay. used to take the subway because I used to live in New York at this time, right? So I was yeah. at NYU. I would take the subway from my dorm to the gym at the school every morning before class mm. so that I could get the body of Britney Spears after she started working out. <laughs> Six days a week, I did this. So so today's topic, we're going to be talking about like sort of insecurity where moments where maybe Sue and I struggle with insecurity and maybe like some tips on things that's helped us to kind of overcome it, right? Because I, I I don't know about you, Sue. I don't think you really struggle with this, but I used to really struggle with insecurity, um, you know, in my life and stuff like that. So the other uh, sort of get to know you opening question I want to ask you is what comment, what comment would it take for you to hear to start making you feel insecure or sad or hurt like it would hurt you like somebody giving you a comment about you that would actually hurt you right a very thought-provoking question yeah no I, I just this is get to know you thing right so you know it's so funny like i was talking to jenny about this and i was like honey you know i was like you're probably one of the most secure people that i know and she's like no, I'm not. I'm not that secure. It's like, I'm insecure at some things. I'm like, no, honey, you are like one of the most secure people I know. And then she goes, I'm not. And I was like, okay. I was like, what would happen if somebody came up to you and said, you know what? You're ugly. She looked at, she thought about it. And she's like, it wouldn't bother me because I know they're lying. <laughs> and that is the mind of a truly secure person. That's like so truly weird. I, glimpse I, I laugh for like I, three, four minutes. I'm just like, I cannot, you know, because she's such a polar opposite of me. And then she's like, she goes, listen, 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 let me just clarify what I'm saying here. Because if you're going to, you better not share this on the podcast. Like, I got to share it on the podcast. She I'm said, sorry, Jenny, do it for the cast. Yeah. She said, listen, I know I'm not drop dead gorgeous, but she was, but I also know I'm not ugly. So somebody told me that they were ugly. I was ugly, 
I know that they're lying because I know I'm not ugly. And I was just like, but that is what a secure person would say, right? And so, you know, so anyway, so that's, that's, well, overall she's secure, secure, right? But I think, the, I mean, going back to your question, it would only bother me if it was something that I found, I guess, my identity in. So, for example, yes. if somebody told me, um, like, you're not good looking or like you're not, like, I, I don't know if that would be as offensive to me as something else where I place my value in because I don't really yes. think I get necessarily my primary yes. value as a person in my looks. Um, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people like celebrities and models are constantly doing things to their faces and bodies. Yes, yeah, because that's, that's their insight. most marketable yep. trait, right? Like right, their right, identity right. as a person is based on how they present themselves Look. physically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ver so for example, like I don't really think it would mean. I'm trying. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think about your question. Like, what is it that I pride myself in as a person? Like, if someone said to me, "What is your greatest yeah. asset?" Yeah. It would be it would have to be something to do with that, right? Somebody negating yeah, yeah. that that's not real. Yeah. And I don't really know what my greatest lesson is. I'm thinking about it. Come on, <laughs> you Sue. Go first. Why don't you See, go first? Okay, I'll go first. But here, here's your problem. Your problem always is this, all right? You always downplay your strengths and you always upplay your weaknesses, you know? So listen, think about it. Think about that, all right? So let me let me go. Let me go. I have a few. I have a few. Right? I'm going to eat nuts. Yeah, eat your nuts because you got you got to eat that protein. It's about the gains, girl. It's about the gains, right? <laughs> um, you know we're gonna we're gonna one day put some of these episodes on YouTube, and I, I want one day I want you to wear like a tank top, and I want you to flex for the for the for our viewers, for our listeners, and our viewers. I want you. I want um, people to see your bicep. Do you I have think... a bicep? Like, if you flex, does it? Do you actually see something there? Okay, okay can we just go back a little? bit? Everybody yeah. has a bicep. Nobody doesn't yes, have know, a bicep. But you have a defined bicep because like if, if Jenny were to make a bicep, you would have to feel it to notice it, but you couldn't see it. Except she beats everyone at arm wrestling. So who cares she what is, it looks like? She is it's all about world, she's pure function. She is a world champion in arm wrestling. Okay. I get any lady, if you're listening and you live in New Jersey, come over to my house and I will bet you $50 that my wife will beat you. I just want to say, not to Bitty. get like super Bitty. Um, deep, <laughs> not to get super deep about this, but once again, it goes to show you that it shouldn't be all form and no function. Because I know some people who look so fit, but they yeah. literally are like the most injury prone people. They can't move crap. Like if you like, I would never ask them to do it because they would help me, and then they would like sprain their ankles in the process. Like it's like Wait, you, you know. You're talking about. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm oh, just okay, thinking okay. some friends. Okay. I, I can't okay. name them. But I'm just okay. saying, you you shouldn't be all form, zero function. Like, if anything, That's Jenny right. is probably That's a better, right. like, person yes. in this situation because yes. she doesn't look it, but then she surprises you with her crazy Listen, strength. It don't matter how big, how strong you are. Come on over. She'll take you down. She has <laughs> For $50. people that are bigger. Like, even somebody who's like, two and a half times her weight and she beat him she beat him so Who's that's why i know listen she has beaten everyone there's nobody she's lost to. she only lost to one person one person and that was this woman from south africa she came to visit a young woman she was like 19 years old and oh no no maybe like in her early 20s she was like six one six two and she beat her she's like, six two she was like six two oh, incredibly geez. like fit strong 
but she grew up in KwaZulu Natal. And I was like, what did you do growing up? She said that she had to carry five gallon water jugs on her head and <laughs> walk miles upon miles up hills to every day from the lake to uh, from the river to go up to her home so they can have water. And I'm like, well, that's you can't compete with that. You can't like I feel that, like so. <clears throat> it's it's there's something very ironic about how we live in a country where we don't do anything physical for our survival. And so we have yes. to like replicate these things in like yes, CrossFit yes. gyms versus yes. like, like I was talking to one of my friends um, who's Kenyan and she was, I was, her husband's a runner and I was at, he was like, but that's such, he was like, it's weird. Nobody in Kenya runs for fun. Like that's just not yeah. something we do. So when I came here and people were doing these five Ks, I was like, you run like for fun, like just because yeah. like, yes, you know? yes, like yes, it's, yes, it's yes. just so we're such a detached like society from like we are a detached society function. Anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah. What is your what is your answer? Okay, so I have a couple. I have a couple, and I'll just kind of throw it out there. The, I think the first one would be if somebody would tell me that I'm a hypocrite, right? Oh. Like there, that would that, I think that would really bother me, hurt me, uh, make me feel a little insecure. I think that would be one. Uh, another one would probably be um, that you know that I'm I'm like a, a bad like I don't have faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I think I would feel hurt by that. I guess the last thing is because you're saying is what would you find your identity in, and I think um, if somebody would tell me that I'm I'm like a uh, like I'm like the worst preacher, like I'm like I'm not a good mm. speaker, I think that would I think that would hurt me. I think that would that would affect me. Like if I'm just keeping it real, like if somebody came up to me and said, you know what, man, you like I, mean, I just can't stay awake during when you preach. Oh God, that, that, would, oh God, that would, I got hurt just now. That I would oh be like, God. oh okay, All oh right. man. So anyway, I think those would be some of the ones because I think like if somebody called me ugly, I was like, ah, what's the big deal? Like, I don't find my identity in that. So it doesn't really bother me. Somebody called me fat. Like I used to be fat too. You know, I was like, ah, you know what? It's not, it's, it doesn't really bother me. So I think those things, cause I don't find my identity in that. I find my identity more in like my faith in God, you know, leading, doing the best I can to what God's called me to do is to preach and things like that. So I think those would be the ones that would probably hurt me. And will, will probably contribute to insecurity. So, Sula Huang, what about you? I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it. I I mean, I you're the right. Like if someone said to me, "You're fat," I don't think it would. I am fat. <laughs> okay, fine. You know what? I'm not fat. I'm chubby. <laughs> you're like my. I'll wife. take it back. You're like my wife. <laughs> um. Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, if someone said to me, I, you know what? It's probably if someone was like, "You're just such a bad parent." Then that would be upsetting mm. to me because I'm like, well, what else do I do with my life other than parent? Mm. So then what mm. am I doing with my life here? You know, like I feel like if I had a job outside of the home, then I could be like, well, the reason yeah. why sometimes I'm not a good parent is because I have all these other things competing for my time and attention. But if I'm a stay at home mom and I'm a bad parent, like what am I doing with my life? Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, it's just like, mm. this is stupid. It's I should stupid. go do something else. Yeah. Um, or, you know what would really bother me? I don't know if this answers your question, but it would really bother me if somebody, if I said to somebody that I'm a Christian and they assume that I was you like are. one of those really crazy, pe like those Westboro Baptist people, you know, who like <laughs> hold signs that say that you're going to hell. Like it would be, so, yeah. and I think sometimes it, actively forms the way I present myself because I so don't want to be associated with like, you know, the quote unquote mm -hmm. crazy Christians, like these um, extremist Christians. 
Um, and sometimes I don't even want to tell people that I'm Christian because I feel like their mind's automatically going to go to the crazy, um, you know, those like really condemn, con- condemn, condemning, judgmental, yeah. like yeah, yeah, angry Christians. And I think if somebody was like, "Oh, Sua is like those people," then that would make me very upset. But I think that on the other hand, it also sometimes makes me feel like I'm compromising on speaking truth. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm so scared of being associated with them. And I think somewhere it, in the middle lies yeah, the good yeah. balance. It's a tension. And I think it's a tension that we always have to you know, struggle and, and live within as Christians in the world in which we're living in today. Because it's changing so much. And it's, and it's so contrarian now to what the Bible teaches us and how we are to live our lives and, and who we are to trust. And so because of that, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And I think as Christians, we always have to live in that tension. Well, you thought of one. I also think I'd be really offended. Like our friendship would be over, like would be over if somebody dare critique my card shuffling skills. Um, I mean, that's really who I am. It's where I base my value. You know what? When we have, when we record something on YouTube, I I want you to whip out your cards again. And I just want you to show our listeners, you know, the face you make when you shuffle those cards is hilarious. And you keep playing up how good of a shuffle. I mean, I don't think I'm amazing. I don't think I could get a job at like Vegas, but I'm not that bad. There are things that I do far worse. Lee, you were bad, bad shuffling cards. You were bad. Well, I'm offended. Our friendship is over. Don't ever call yeah. me. Again. <laughs> you were bad. I'm sorry. I'm just keeping it. I'm keeping it real here. You were bad. You were bad. But anyway, what we want to do today is we want to talk about. This is a good segue because we want to talk about insecurity. Um, you know, being insecure really means that you have a lack of confidence, right? You struggle in some areas of your life in confidence, which contributes to low self esteem, which is like being overly critical about yourself on a regular basis. I'm sure a lot of us sort of has experienced that. And, you know, I think what happens is that whenever we go through a lot of stress and we go through difficult life circumstances or events or seasons of our life, it really contributes to our insecurity, low self-esteem. If we don't have the proper, you know, folks or structure or systems in place in our life that can kind of help us during those seasons. Otherwise, it could make or break us, right? And a lot of times, I think for most of us in our society, it breaks us. It breaks us. And so we want to kind of talk about that. But I, but what I want to do first, Sua, is I don't know if you really had a time. I don't want you to make up stuff, all right? But I want you to, 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 to share a time where you felt like you were insecure, where you really struggled with insecurities. I think that would be good for our listeners. I want you to think about a time where you really did feel insecure, okay? And I, I want, I'm going to share three areas, three times in my life where I actually felt. Three times? Like, Oh yeah, like these are these are the I've I've always felt like Sua, like I I was well, just for our listeners, I was the most insecure one of the most insecure people that you'll ever meet. I was so insecure about almost everything. I think part of that comes stems from my history, right? Like again, when you come when you when you grew up in a physically abusive home, um, it does something to your identity, right? And 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 you start to have a less sense of worth you feel like you know maybe there's something wrong with me and that's one of the reasons why you know i'm getting abused because i didn't do anything but uh yeah so when you encounter these things and when you like you know uh, experience it that definitely contributes to it so you know i think these are just natural things that happen but i i i was my whole family whole family is incredibly insecure 
All right. So that's the kind of sort of family I come from, unfortunately. So uh, there were three times in my life, and I'm going to share the best I can, like, like really big parts of my life where I felt like I was seriously insecure. First one was when I was a child. I don't know around what age, but it was probably like, I would say middle school, um, probably like middle school, mostly middle school. Um, I was so insecure of our family being so poor um, that I didn't want people to find out. I wanted people at school to believe that we actually had some money. Like I really wanted people to believe that. And so, yeah, so I would lie about different things about what our family had, vacations that we took and things like that. Um, and it was, it was just, it was one of those things. And like, I did whatever I could to protect that so that people would hopefully think that we weren't so poor. Like I was an EOF child in college, right? And EOF and, and is equal opportunity fund. It's for, low-income families uh, to go to college. Now, the great thing about EOF is that if you qualify for it, guess what? Like the state, the government pays for like your college, which is great. Majority of your tuition bill, you get a ton of grants and stuff like that because you qualify because your parents, you know, are below the, you know, they don't make the income um, so that they give you the funds for it. So, yeah. So I grew up like that. I hated it. And then, you know, the reality is, Sue, most Korean American families in this country, most, not all, most, are middle class to like, you know, upper middle class, and some are like incredibly wealthy. And so, like growing up in Bergen County, and going to my parents' friends' homes, like I remember, like we had a friend. My parents had a friend from Queens, both in Queens. They one moved to Paramus and brought this massive home. And I remember we used to go there and visit, and I was just like, wow, like it was like a palace, and uh, was so blown away. And the another friend, my mom, grew, uh, when we when we we were in Queens. Um, they moved to they moved to Fort Lee, but then they brought a house in Englewood Cliffs. And I'm telling you, man, I was just like, holy smokes. And here we are going back to our tiny little two-bedroom apartment, you know, and stuff like that. So that whole thing, like that was something I was very insecure about. So that's number one. All right. Number two, uh, I'll fast forward to college when I started dating Jenny. I was incredibly insecure because I really believe that she's gonna break up with me one day. Like I I I literally believe and i would say this to her i said you know what i feel like you're not going to stay with me that one day you're just going to break up with me she's like what are you talking about why would i do that and so i had a fear that she was going to break up with me that i wasn't good enough for her and all that stuff and um and as a result of that i was very jealous i was a very jealous boyfriend i thought that perhaps maybe you know if she talked to a guy that then she would like like that guy and that guy and then she'd want to date that guy so you know that was another season and it was that was hard it was hard on her um, it was hard on me too because I was dealing with my, a lot of my insecurities and I just became a terrible version of myself because I lived sort of this paranoid life and I always believed that she was cheating on me. And when she was at school, it was okay because we were together all the time. But then when she graduated before me because she was one year ahead of me and she started working um, at in the marketplace, she worked for LG. I just was convinced, Sua, that she was going to meet another guy and end up you know, dating that guy and not me. So anyway, so like it was crazy, the kind of stuff that, you know, that I did and said to her, unfortunately, because of that insecurity. And so that was really bad. Um, and I'm just so grateful that she didn't break up with me and she didn't say, get out of here. You're such a loser. I'm just going to go leave, you know, that she still, still wanted to be in a relationship with me. Yeah, and then the I last part, Jenny my... on here so that we can ask her what she was thinking. 
like Yo, as you were doing these things i'm just so seriously. i'm just so curious like what was Sua, going through her please mind please ask her please ask her that cuz that would be really great because i'm so you curious know, you know she was so good like honestly like man yeah i i couldn't be where i'm at of course we give god the credit the glory like god of course you know god number one contributed to the health and all that stuff but if i didn't have somebody like her who was mm. emotionally healthy there is no way in H E L L <laughs> that I would be where I'm at today. And she really has helped me to grow to be a healthier person emotionally. And then the last thing would be back in 2000 to like 2000, was it like eight, eight, nine or so? Um, I graduated from seminary in 2003 and I planted Metro and I was so insecure about that. I was so insecure. I didn't know if this thing was going to work. I'd stay up late at nights thinking, why the heck would God call me to do this? This is crazy. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, and so, yeah, so I was incredibly insecure about that. And and I was worried that somebody would say I'm a bad preacher, uh, bad leader or stuff like that. Or if this church plant failed, um, I just like, I just was so nervous and scared uh, about uh, like how I could kind of move on forward after this. So that was another time of my life where I felt like I was incredibly, incredibly insecure. So anyway, those are the three moments in my life where I felt so, so insecure. Hmm. So how about you? I mean, I feel like the third one, I don't know. Is that, I feel like that's like a different type of insecurity because it's not. How so? I don't know. The other ones strike me more as like the classic definitions of insecurity, like yeah. you're doubting your self-worth versus I feel like starting and planting a church. It's more, I don't know. To me, it doesn't seem like the same type of same category of insecurity because I don't like, are you saying because you felt like you weren't sure if you had what it took kind of? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Well, actually, I really believe I didn't have what it took to do it. And that's why I was struggling so much because I like the confidence and, you know, insecurity is lacking confidence. So but is it I didn't that, have the confidence. But is it more so that the insecurity wasn't so much that the church wouldn't like, it wasn't so much that you were like, Oh, I really want to do this because God called me. It was more like, if it fails, what does that communicate about me? Like yeah. you don't want to be a, like, so your self-worth was tied with the success Whatever the Absolutely. metrics of success you had decided yes. were the metrics of success. Like, so if the church yeah. doesn't grow by this percentage this year, it means that I'm basically a failure. Like Absolutely. that's kind of the insecurity, 100%. right? Like it's not so much that like you, yeah. you were just going to be sad that the church didn't do well. It was more yeah. like I have failed as a, like yeah. I am a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, and again, like we talk about this so many times, this is how deadly shame is, but it's so everything, all of that's rooted in shame, right? Insecurity, low self-esteem, all that's rooted in shame. And so, because uh, part of that was that I was feeling, because I still live with a lot of shame that, you know, I feel like I'm a mistake in some ways. And so I struggle with that. I'm like, God, why would you call a mistake to do this, you know, mm. to do this thing? So that's what I struggled with. And as a result of that, I wanted to succeed. I wanted to have like the largest church in the world. All the, I mean, these silly, like, I don't want to say silly, but ridiculous goals that I set for myself in hopes of doing that. And using, oh, all for God's glory, but deep inside is really just not necessarily for my glory, but it's a deal sort of silence these voices in my head saying that, yeah, you're a mistake, you're, you're, you're a failure, that kind of thing. So anyway, so those are the three kind of like seasons in my life where I kind of like struggled. So I struggled with this for a long time and I feel like I'm an expert in this area because I've struggled with insecurity. <laughs> you're an expert and, in insecurity. Yeah, really I am. It's not that, and, and I'm not like, 
fully recovered from it. I mean, I still have my insecure moments here and there, but I am much better today than I'm at, you know, than I was back then. So it's been a journey. It's been a laborious journey for me. And I'm just so grateful. And that's why I would never want to go back to my 20s or my teens. Like, I don't, I don't, the only, the only reason why I'd like to go back to those moments was like my body was so much healthier. Um, I don't get injured the way I do now. Um, did I tell you I played tennis a couple of weeks ago and I pulled my calf muscle? I think and you so told I'm me like, off offline. Oh, and I played again a couple of weeks ago, like a week ago with somebody. But why do you keep doing I, the same thing and then expecting and different results? Do you know, you know this definition of insanity, right? It's like you do the same you know, thing over I, I'm and over so, and expect I'm different so competitive. results. I'm so competitive. You know, the thing is, is when somebody does like a drop shot and have to run to the net, like I believe I could get it before it bounces the second time. So I'm like, sorry, this haul, is not um all haul booty and get that ball. This is neither and here nor there. But have you watched Beef? Who? The show Beef. Have you watched the show Beef? Oh my God, Beef. Okay. Fantastic show. <laughs> Do you Fantastic know the scene? Show. You know the scene when they're playing the basketball like basketball game? Yes. And then that holy praise leader like loses his crap and starts shouting F bombs because his true nature yes. comes out. Yes. Yes. Like I feel like that is probably the one of the most um like realistic Real. depictions of church basketball like tournaments when like your true nature comes out. Like you think all these people were holy, like the president of the youth group. Yeah, and then in yeah. that heat of the moment, man, like you get glimpses well, into their sinful nature. But, but that's but that's exactly it. You get glimpses into everyone's sinful, broken nature when they're when they're struggling and they're and feeling like insecure. Stress. You see it. You see it always right it's crazy. So, anyway so, so yeah funny. so I'm, I'm i'm recovering i'm gonna go back out and play but the, the second time so i could <laughs> talk to taylor about it and i said hey i pulled it but the weird thing was i said i played for about an hour 15 minutes and then i started stretching my calf muscles just so that i don't pull it and he laughed he goes you never stretch midway while you're playing and play again he goes you only stretch when you're done he's like that's that why sense. you pulled this because you stretch sense. and exact right after i stretched Right. Because I was like, oh, I better not. Let me just, we took a water break. Let me just stretch my cast. So I don't pull it. Right after I stretched it, the very next done. game, I pulled it. I yeah. Because your body was like, oh, you're finished now. We can pack up and go. Yeah. And then you were like, sorry, we're back at it. So, anyway, yeah. So, those are my, those are my moments. I want, do you have a moment, Sua, or, or a season of life or um, any, an instance where you really struggle with self confidence? Well, let's start in reverse, right? I mean, like, I, I've, I'm not going to go back into this because I've talked extensively on this podcast about the insecurity of me transitioning out of having a, Work like work outside of the home to stay at home mom. So I'm not going to go back into that. Um, I, you know, if we're going to talk about insecurity, I don't know if it's the same because I don't really think I would have felt I'm thinking I'm, I'm going back and thinking about it. Like if, if when you told me to start the justice advocacy, compassion ministry at Metro and I had failed, would I have felt like a failure? And I only mm. use that as an example because I've had previous jobs before that and I I never felt like the trepidation that I did when I started working at Metro. And I think part of it was just mm -hmm. the idea of starting something that didn't exist. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you if if you go to work at your nine to five job, mm -hmm. you think at it, okay, well, whoop do yeah. do, like they'll replace you, or you know, like you know what I mean. Like it's it's pretty hard to really stink at a nine to five versus yeah. if somebody gives you an empty canvas. And they're like, here you go. 
like started <laughs> out like let's make something out of nothing and oh just yeah. by the way like this is the ethos of our church so just don't screw it up like and you're 27 clearly i put um, a little too much pressure on you no, yes. i mean it, it's just like and I, i'm thinking about it i'm like did i feel like if i failed at it i would be a failure i don't mm. think so i don't mm. think so and mm. I, I don't, that's why I was asking you about your example, because yeah. I felt the same. I am with you in the sense of, God, I don't know if I can do this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. too big for me. Like, this is, yeah, yeah. I was 27 or 28. Like, I was so young. Um, I have no experience building anything community liaison yeah. type of situation thing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I did, but yeah. I don't really know if I would recall that as an example of me feeling insecure necessarily, because yeah. I don't yeah. think if sure. I failed at it, I would have felt lesser as a person. I would have felt so bad. Like I would have just felt really mm -hmm. badly that I blew this for like the church that I love and I attend. Um, yes. And also there was kind of like a, oh my gosh, like the people that I work with are now like my friends, like friends that I see at church, like every Sunday, these are the people that I have to work with. Like, what does this mean for me? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just point that out because I, th I that's why I was clarifying with you, like why you use that as an example yeah. of security, because I don't really know if I would use that as an example of me feeling insecure. Now, rewind back to my kid years, I did grow up with a lot of body insecurities. Um, be, and I think you, say you, were, you were chubby, is, you were chubby well, when you were the culture, the Korean culture, it doesn't matter whether you're thin or fat or somewhere in between. Something about yeah. the Korean culture just makes you so insecure about how you look. Um, yeah. Because people are savage in the Korean culture. They savage. There's no buffering. They're, they just tell you, they say, hey, you're fat. Like, yeah. you've gained so much weight. You're fat. Or they'll say, hey, you're ugly. You know, stuff. <laughs> like, do you should get your eyes done. <laughs> do you know that there's like yeah, a really they're like, good you know what? You should get your you eyes done to. and get some plastic surgery because you, yeah, like, oh my God, you know, and stuff. I mean, and so yeah. I mean, and I don't even think it's so just blunt. like the Korean. I have started to my friend who's Indian and she said um, her brother had brought home like a friend who was kind of like, I guess a little bigger. And he, like his dad had offered him food, like that her dad had offered him food. And he was like, oh no, I can't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. The dad straight up looked at him was like, oh, cause you're so fat. Like, you know, so I don't think it's just Korean culture. I think it's just like maybe Asians in general. Like we're very blunt and feel zero yeah. remorse about yeah. commenting on people's bodies. And I think it's, you know, I think it was that. Like, it's just, I was made to constantly be aware of how I looked. Mm. Um, and it's not even so much you're fat, you're skinny, whatever. It's like the fact that it's always at the forefront of my mind. Like, how do I look today is always like a running tape in my head. And I think that's okay. what makes you insecure is like all the time yeah. when I go to church, I'm yes. like, then when you go to puberty and you develop certain body parts as a woman it's like a total another whammy on top of everything because now like people are constantly commenting like older ladies are constantly commenting on like your development um yeah. especially if like you develop more than the average asian person but what do you mean what, what do they say to you do they say like stop wearing this is too tight or do they just say wow sua look at you it was like both. wow you really developed well it oh, was both. both there were some women who were like oh i really wish i had a cleavage like that mm -hmm. um and then there were women like there were women who be like like older women would say I, that yeah. to you like old yeah or wow. they'd be like your shirt is too low cut like you need to cover up mm -hmm. um and i think it's that constant commenting on the person's yeah. body it's yeah. not even the content of the actual comment itself it's the fact that they just constantly feel the need to talk about how you look, um, yeah. which made me feel 
super self-conscious all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and so, and that carried, I think that plus my mom being very into, um, physical appearances because she yeah. inherited that from her mom, um, yeah. that carries into your adulthood. And I think it wasn't until my thirties when I finally was like, I don't, I think I'm, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm done thinking about this all the time. Um, mm. and I just was like, this is how God created me. Like this is, I was, and I, I don't even think this is, I mean, I feel kind of guilty saying that's not a God thing because it's the weak pastor podcast, but I've heard even non-Christians say that it really didn't dawn on them until their thirties mm. um, or like later in their life where they finally were, were free of that burden of having to think about how they look all the time. Like I, mm. I know a lot yeah. of women who in their thirties, which technically is not even physically their prime, right? Like I mean, technically right, right. we're led to believe that twenties and like teens, we look our yeah. best. And then thirties is when you can start getting wrinkles and everything, yeah. gravity starts to have its effect and everything starts sagging. Yeah. But most women that I've spoken to, it's not until like their 30s where they really feel like they're happy with who they are and free to be happy with what they're given. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what the switch is, you know, like what that well, transition is. Well, I know I know for men, I know what that would be if it, if it was for, I can't speak for women, but I can speak for men what that is. Like, were you um, happier with your body in your 30s? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But why? Is it because you actually Absolutely. became more fit? Because that's different. No, because I was actually huge. <laughs> Oh, it was huge. huge. In your 30s? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah, I was, so. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I was, I was large and in charge. Um, okay. So, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, the, re the what I could say is this it, it's, you know, in your early 20s and even in your 30s, I, I'd say you won't, actually, I don't think it's till for guys till they hit their 40s. Oh, really? It's, we call it the, that season, 20s and 30s, is the ego years. Hmm. And so because everything just revolves around you, you have goals you want to achieve, you want to win. Men, men, men are raised in this country to be victorious. That's sort of the message, this implicit message we grow up hearing all the time. We're the warrior. We have to win at everything in order to be successful, that kind of thing, right? We got to be the strongest, all that stuff. And when we're like in our 20s and 30s, we are like just out of college. We are now ready to tear the world apart, conquer the world. It's all about us. It's the ego years. And that's why it's very difficult. And 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 we put so much pressure on ourselves and things like that. And as you get older, if it doesn't change, if it doesn't change, you hit a midlife crisis, right? And if you don't deal with the ego, um, you hit a midlife crisis. And then you start to realize, wow, you, I have not been able to achieve my goals. I suck. I really, really suck or I've achieved them, but it really doesn't satisfy. So life sucks. And so mm. you hit a midlife crisis. And so, yeah, so for guys, it's, that's, that's how it is. And that's why like, you know, when I connect with guys and, and, you know, we do these uh, men events, I kind of just let them know, like, you have to, you know, you have to find your contentment uh, in God and what he's calling you to do and, uh, and growing in emotional, healthy spirituality is so critical in order for you to not struggle with, with um with uh, insecurities lack of self-esteem and all that kind of stuff so i don't know for women so you know that's interesting that you said in your 30s you felt more like at peace with what god well gave apparently you. i read something and they said they asked i don't know what the sample size was but they asked a bunch of women a bunch of women what age they were happiest like what was mm. the age and, and this isn't about body image this is in general yeah. like happiness in general like at what age do you remember being your happiest and the average like age turned out to be 32 like so the most common age that people said were about 32 for women which wow. um 
I found That's very interesting. interesting because That's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I my personal opinion on it is, um, just as a person who gave birth in their in their late twenties and early, like I was twenty eight when I had Lila and thirty when I had Audrey. Mm. Mm. Um, I think to me, it probably has a lot to do with becoming a mom and your yeah. priorities just shifting in the sense that yeah. um, your life no longer revolves around you and how yeah. you present yourself to the world. Like the thing that's most important to you is no longer you. It's so now. Is, is that only for mothers? What about? I, no, no, that was women just all who women. Are single women who are married but have no children. This was all women. That that study was just all Interesting. women. But for Interesting. me, I think it had to do with the shifting of attention. Like I think gotcha. it was just too much attention on myself. I think that was kind of yeah. the problem was like it was toxic. Yeah. How yeah. you know, you, did you notice that sometimes people post pictures on social media of like group pictures and literally a lot of times the only person who looks good in that picture is the picture or the is the person who posted the picture. Like everyone else is like closing their eyes, like nobody's looking. But as long as you look good, like you will post the picture of yourself looking good. Yeah, Out of the yeah, twenty yeah. pictures, somebody else Nobody looks at everyone else and says, "Oh, you know what? I look crappy in this picture." But so most of the other people look better, so I'll post that one because you know why? Nobody even looks at probably how other people look in that picture. As soon as yeah, you get a picture, yeah. you look at yourself. Right. And yeah. I think that when you become a mom, Very that true. shifts to somebody else. Um, and I think that yeah. that might be there's like a freedom in not having your life constantly be about yourself anymore. Mm. Um, mm. I used to I mean, I when I go to the beach, I wear bikinis. I have been wearing bikinis since high school. Um, but I used to constantly like feel so self-conscious, like wearing my bathing suits. But now I look terrible. I look so much worse than I used to look in my, like at 18, 19, 20, whatever. I look so much worse objectively, but I could not give two craps about it wow. because I'm like, I, here are my gravity strained body parts and my stretch marks. But like, I literally, it's not that I'm not self-conscious at all. It's just, I don't care as much. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it's that whole focus shifting from you and everything was about you to now, yeah, like someone else. You Interesting. know, Interesting. that's my okay. theory on it. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I really do. So, what would be like your advice then, Sua, for women and men who are in a stage right now where they can't, you know, um, where they really struggle with insecurity? Because I did talk to somebody and I said, what would happen if somebody called you ugly? And, and this person said, I would crawl into my room and I wouldn't come out of the house for about a week. Hmm. And I thought that was incredibly sad when I heard that. And so uh, the reality is, I think the younger people are, the more, like they just struggle with insecurity a lot more. And social media has only made it worse. There is legit, you know, um, depression that's been linked to social media because people see, you know, bodies of people and all that kind of stuff um so anyway yeah um and and so it, it contributes to self low self-esteem insecurity all of that stuff so what would be like some of like just some advice that you would give or something that's helped you or you think has helped you you don't even know because maybe you just grew up in a system a very healthy system but that will help you to kind of get over or grow out of insecurity this is a Any very thoughts? interesting question because, yeah. um, not to go off topic, but recently one of my kids asked me, she said, mommy, if I'm really fat, 
will anyone want to marry me? Like, that's mm. what she asked me. She mm. And she, my kids are young, right? And so these are not like questions of a teenager or even a tweenager. These are like kids in elementary school who yeah, are asking yeah. me this. And you already see the development of this framework of like yeah. how physical attraction plays into um, social relationships or romantic relationships. Yeah. And, you know, people say um, like you always accept the love that you think you deserve right? Like you've heard that before. And they've even yes. done like, there was like a Netflix um, documentary on science of attraction. And it was very interesting because people always chose a partner who they had rated on a scale of one to 10, the same as them. So if you believe yourself to be a four, you go for the four. Um, mm. And it's interesting because there's no, it doesn't matter if you are objectively an eight. If you think you're a four, you go for the four. Like that's, mm. that's kind of how it works. That's why it was interesting because if really? other people had rated you a 10 out of 10, it didn't matter if you thought you were two out of 10, you still, yeah. you, you accepted the love of the two out of 10. Now gotcha. I feel like this is going to sound a little bit like, Ooh, you know, it's, it's very like not concrete, but I really think it matters how you view yourself. And I think it's mm. not really a physical fix. It's yes. really a spiritual, emotional fix. Not to say when I when my daughter asked me that question, I said to her, "Oh my gosh, this sound, I, I I really panicked for a little bit because I wasn't sure how to answer the question." Um, mm. Not because like I don't think that quote unquote fat people can't get married, but yeah. I was trying to yeah. figure out what it is that she's asking me. Right, like what is she literally just asking me? Can if I'm fat, will I not get married? Or is mm -hmm. there a deeper question behind her sure. general question? Yeah. Um, and I also didn't want to. You know, we live in a world that is a certain way. I'm just going to be honest. Like, yes. I'm not going to pretend that physical appearance doesn't play into our social interaction. Of course not. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, you know, like I was reading something with that Beth Moore wrote, you know, Beth Moore, right? Of course. And she literally said the most common comments she used to get when she was a young speaker was about how she dressed and how she looked. Like that was literally it. Like people were obsessed with what she looked like when she mm. gave her you know, and as a woman, I think it's a heightened thing. Like as women, people are obsessed with the way we look. It's just a thing. And so I didn't want to lie to her and say, um, it doesn't matter at all what yeah. you look like, because that's a lie that she's going to figure out very quickly. Like mommy either is out of touch with the world or mommy is yeah. lying to me. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I told her, and I will tell you, I think it is kind of in the realm of our responsibility to present our best selves to others. Um, I think that means that whatever that means could be different to you. For me, it means that I eat semi-healthily and exercise semi-regularly. Like that is the best self that I can present. Um, but yeah. I also don't want um, all of my value to be placed in that. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that you have to figure out um, how, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way where I don't want to lie. Like I don't want to lie and say it doesn't matter if you're ugly or pretty because my experience in my almost 40 years of life has been that it matters. It does. Like, it yeah. Matters. And if I tell somebody, um, it doesn't matter if you know you look this way or you dress a certain way. It doesn't matter. It matters. It's like one of the most 
Um, it matters a lot, actually. Like it matters significantly in how people view you and how they. That's why you wear those Richard Cotton jeans, girl. You're you're willing to yeah. put yourself to torture, <laughs> physical torture, to wear By your the Richard way, Cotton jeans. John, gym. I recently wore those jeans to church, and John was like, "Your butt looks really good in those jeans." <laughs> so listen, <laughs> I just want to say it matters. <laughs> hey, um, you still got it when your husband's checking you out. That's all I got to say. Well, yeah, the jeans help. Yeah. But you know, I, I think. <laughs> I would say it. I can't, I'm not going to just say if this is what you want to hear. I'm sorry. I can't just say to you, it doesn't matter what you look like. You know, yeah, um, yeah. you should just be secure in general from your heart, no matter what you look like. If you're not happy with how you look, there are ways for you to take ownership of that. I don't mean go and like get plastic surgery, but like within yeah. your own, you know, means of um reality and like what's reasonable like present your best self yeah, make yourself feel better about yourself yes you know i mean don't go crazy um but present yourself in the best way that you can you know but also know it's really like that picture example most people are not really that fixated on you as much as you think they yes. are it's in your head like most people <laughs> Dang, are too busy girl. looking at themselves most Sounds people like are too busy bomb. looking at themselves in the picture looking at like you go in a church most people are very focused on how they look that day to yeah. even notice really that you have a pimple or like you have a stray hair out yeah. of place like most people we don't we we think others care a lot more about how we look than they actually do i don't know if that's like helpful or freeing at all that's but really this is something that i've realized at almost 40 Damn, at 39 real. no i mean really it's it's yeah it's just let's take yeah. it down a notch it matters take but let's down. let's place a little bit less value on it than yes really yes yes do. yes yes so i have a few things few thoughts because i thought about this that's kind of helped me over the years as well and I have like one or two things I think that professionals might suggest, you know, and stuff. So like I have like some stats here. I think I have some stats. Yeah, I do have some stats. <laughs> you so, think you um, have some stats. Yeah. So first thing is this. You got to stop comparing yourself to other people. You got to stop it. Like you got to stop. Because if you do that, I think what will end up happening is not only will you struggle with self-confidence, you just won't have any friends anymore. Nobody's going to, you know, because the reason why you're comparing is because you're, you're asking yourself, Am I better than this person or not? And you guys got to stop that because the, the more you compare, then you're just trying to be better or one up somebody in that way. So stop comparing yourself to other people. That's going to be really huge. Focus on what you have, not what others have, and just embrace it. Like just like what you said, you just accepted what you have, right? Your body, whatever it might be when you're in your 30s. Just do that and stop focusing on what other people have because I think that will lead to a very hard envious type of life and that can be difficult the other thing i would say is that one of the things that's helped me the most is that you got to be committed to growing in self-awareness like you just have to be committed to growing in self-awareness all right and so what i mean by that is this you gotta you gotta you cannot know everything about yourself by self-discovery it's impossible impossible the people that you really trust in your life like if you're married your spouse can be a tremendous support in this all right your kids, uh, your close friends that you trust, get feedback from them. Ask them to give you some feedback, okay? Um, if you work at a place and you have a good relationship with somebody at work, and if you're like a boss, get feedback from your employees. Can you give me some feedback on how I am as a boss? 
because you want to grow in better and greater self-awareness. And people see your flaws so much quicker than we do sometimes. And so you, you got to do that. And and growing in self-awareness is really being committed to this path towards being emotionally healthy. And that's that Peace Cozero's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, and so I just want to encourage you that that's you got to be committed to because if you can't become emotionally healthy, you're not going to be spiritually healthy, right? And like when you look at an iceberg, and Sue, you know this because I've said this a lot at EHS. When you look at an iceberg, you only see 10% of the iceberg that's above the surface. But below the iceberg, there's a 90% of the iceberg that we can never see that's below the surface. And that's really representative of our life. The 10%, like the exterior, like some of us have very like vibrant personalities and stuff like that. That's like the 10% that people see. But the 90% is beneath like what's going on in your soul. Like what happens when you fail? What happens when you're stressed? What happens when you go into a really difficult season? All that stuff, that unhealthiness comes out or the lack of confidence comes out when you're really going through a hard time. So emotionally healthy spirituality is really about trying to embrace some of these like these eight principles that Pete talks about, the author Pete, Peter Scazzaro, but how you can grow into becoming more emotionally healthy. Highly recommend that. Now, this is what somebody said. I was, I was looking at this on the internet. They said, fast from social media and internet. I couldn't agree with them more, right? You got to fast for it. And here's what they said. A 2017 study said that women or women between the ages of 12 and 29 were more likely to feel bad about their bodies if they spent more than 20 hours a week online. That's pretty crazy, right? Mm -hmm. 20 hours a week online. So yeah, I mean, I just think, uh, you know, like uh, fast from social media and I would unfollow, you know, people uh, that you have an infatuation with in terms of like, I wish I had a body like that. Um, and uh, one of the other things is just do what you love. Like I heard, like I, I learned through this that when you do something that you love, like Sua, like do you love working out? Yes. Tonal? You like doing that tonal? Love my tonal. So it, it releases endorphins. And they said that's really good. That helps you in dealing, you know, with stress and anxiety and stuff like that. So do something that you love. I think that's the problem in our society today is that we just don't do enough things that we actually love doing. Like we just, we're too busy doing other stuff that we hate doing. But do something that you love. Really do something that you love. And then my last thing that I always say is that you got to start to be vulnerable about your feelings. You got to have an outlet, whether it's with a counselor, with some close friends, where you can actually be very vulnerable about what you're feeling. So like your feelings should not be a secret or private matter. It, does, it shouldn't be a public matter either. I think when people start sharing their feelings publicly, it's a little, little like I, I still think it's kind of weird, like on social media and stuff. I'm just like, oh, I don't know if that's the right place. For somebody to be vulnerable uh, and and be open about what they're feeling, I mean, I get it. You know, you can be, you know, you can share some things. I remember there was a, uh, there was something that happened, and you know, I'll try to keep it as general as possible. But somebody uh, lost a loved one, and they took their life. And literally within like two days, this person put out a post on social media, and I just thought that was just so weird. At least to me, I just felt like that was just weird. And that this person would share and be vulnerable about their feelings on social media like that. So just make sure you don't have to make your feelings public, but make sure that you have a few people in your life where you can be really honest and vulnerable with what you're feeling. And I think that can really help. That's what helped me over the years of becoming more secure in who I am. And uh, when you can sort of share your feelings, your flaws and all that kind of stuff with somebody and they still accept and love you, it does wonders. It does wonders for your confidence, honestly. And uh, and it really helps you become more secure, I think. So those are sort of the things that have really helped me over the years. So yeah, any other thoughts, Sua, before we wrap yeah, it I up? I have some thoughts, but I hope this is like, I'm trying to like 
make it into a logical order so it makes sense because there's a lot of thoughts that I kind Go of trying to put them together. Like, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is when you say, and oh, everything you say, I agree with. It's just that I think sometimes it's hard to actually put into action. So for example, okay, so the concrete theme, things like, get off of social media, unfollow the people that make you feel bad about yourself. Those are very like concrete, easy to do things. Yes. But if somebody says to me, stop comparing, that's much harder to do because there's no yes. formula. And it's an involuntary thing. I don't say to myself, I'm going to now compare myself to others who are better than me. Like it's something that just mm -hmm. happens in your mind. And so it's much, yeah. it's hard to prescribe to somebody, stop comparing. We all realize the comparison is the thief of joy, but how do we actually do that yeah. right and i think this is why it reminds me of that whole and i i agree i agree the comparison is what's making us feel worse and i i see that in the way social media is completely negatively affecting our generation our young generations but um it reminds me of like that quote that you know um the gospel is good news not good advice and i think that sometimes as christians we try to fragment the gospel into different parts of if you do yeah. step one step two step three which makes once again this it gives us this illusion that the power is somehow in our hands that we can somehow do this on our own but yeah. we can't and once again it reinforces when we can't do that we failed yet again and i think mm. that's why it's so important to understand the focus of the gospel it's that it was begun and finished in Jesus alone. And all we have to do is live into the power. We don't need to follow 12 steps. We can't, we can't. And we can yeah. after, after we receive the power of the spirit, we can. But I think apart from that, it's not possible to take steps to fix ourselves. And yeah. so once again, I think, you know, going back to my analogy or not my analogy, but my, my transition about, I think for me, it happened, the switch happened when the focus became less about me and something bigger, like my legacy, my mm. children. You know, I read this article in NPR this week, um, and I found it so interesting because the article was about a woman. It was a secular article. It was not a Christian article. And she was talking about how she and her children order chicks. And I read it because I ordered chicks recently. And I was yeah. like, oh, why are they ordering chicks? And her whole reason why they got chicks was because she read that it's so good for your mental health to be in awe. Like some something about being in awe mm. of something is so good yeah. for your mental for rewiring your mental yeah, health yeah because you watch these chicks hatch and you watch these chicks grow and lay eggs and it's something that you can't explain right like your mind is yeah. just like holy moly like how does this happen and i think um she said there's markers that show how this affects your happiness your daily quality of life just being in awe of something bigger than you and yeah. i think that's kind of what it keeps coming down to for me is like yeah, we can sit here and I can sit here and critique every single part of my body and every single thing that I don't like about myself. But maybe the, the whole point is that I'm not supposed to be focusing on myself all the time. You know, it's like, I'm supposed to be thinking about God and yeah. who he is and being in awe. And in comparison, it makes all these other things not seem as life shattering. If something bad happens to me or some, someone says something negative, it's not about me, right? It's yeah. that's there's just too much focus on me. And I think that's what crushes us at the end of the day. That's why social media is so difficult because it's all about how I present myself, yeah. how I've curated myself, but it's not yes. about me. It's about God. And every day we need to meet with God, see what Jesus has done for us and be in awe of how big God is in comparison to yeah. us and how we're just little blips. 
we're just fading, like everything else is fading, but God is forever and eternal. And I think when we face that, these things don't have the power to crush us. Yeah. So I would agree with that. But the only thing that I would disagree with is that I think it's very hard for Christians to get to a place where they actually experience the awesomeness and the awestruckness of God. It's very hard. And it's it's very hard. Uh, when you when you have emotional baggage and you have a lot of emotional issues and dysfunctions uh, by some of the things you've gone through in your life, it's really hard to experience the awestruckness of God on the regular to the point where it can help you deal with your insecurity. Because I know pastors, I know a lot of pastors, church leaders that struggle so much. You know, and these are people that know God. They know the they know who God is. But I just think like until we're willing to take a step of really growing and taking ownership of ourselves and, and inviting God to be a part of every area of our lives, and meaning even the deep broken stuff that's that's beneath the surface of our soul, it's going to be really hard, right? It's going to be really hard unless we're willing to get feedback because I, I don't think you can really love God until you can first like love yourself in a healthy way. And so I just think we need that community. We need people to help us to get there you know, and stuff and, uh, and get to that place. Cause once you get there and you get emotionally healthy, like where you are, cause so you've always been kind of emotionally healthy, which is a great thing. And so I'm just kind of approaching this from somebody who's not been emotionally healthy. So when you're like not emotionally healthy and you can finally get to a place of emotional healthiness, then it's, then it's like, wow, you can, you can be amazed and be awestruck by God, by just nice weather. You know, like the sun coming out, like, God, thank you so much for the sun. It is just amazing. You know, like things like that. It doesn't have to be something so grand that that has to happen in your life for you to be an awestruckness of God, you know, and stuff like that. And so I think it's that hard work that we have to put in, in order for us to kind of get to that place, I think, where we can grow and heal. And of course, that hard work that we put in is something that we do in concert with God. Of course, God giving us the strength and taking us on that journey. God wants us to grow, right? In that way. And it's that whole faith without works is really meaningless aspect of it that we have to be willing to do so that we can grow out of the sense of insecurity. Because I know, I know that if we want to get real spiritual here, the enemy, the devil, his his chief power, that what makes the devil so powerful is just his lies. And he makes us to believe in his lies. And we got to be careful with that. We cannot allow the enemy to whisper the lies that we, be, we we continue to believe in about ourselves. And so that's kind of what I would say. So yeah, I'm totally agreeing with what you're saying. But like for a broken person, for somebody who's really broken in an emotional way, it's not, it just can't be that easy for them to just kind of snap into it and say, okay, well, okay, well, I'm going to be an awestruckness. I just think there's people who've gone through some really hard things in life and it's a process that they actually need to be intentional about so that they can get to that place of healing, growth, self-awareness, so that they can get to a place, I think, where they can be in that awestruckness of God. So I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. No, but I what agree. Do you think, I agree. I mean, I think, though, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think the difference, though, is sometimes self-help things don't I think the beginning point is the thing that's different, right? Like when we can give a Christian 10 steps to becoming healthy and a non-Christian 10 steps to becoming healthy. But the difference there is that if you have received to Jesus, you are now free to take that journey versus if you're, if you're, you have not been freed by the power of Jesus, these circumstances still are defining you and it makes it not possible for you. So I completely agree. I think it's just that the basis of where you get your ability to be free from these things. So like for the Christian, 
yes, of course, the circumstances of your life will be baggage, yeah. but you're now a new creation, right? So yep. you can still say, you don't have power over me. Yes, I will fall. Yes, I will go back and, you know, relapse here and then. But at the end yep. of the day, you don't define me any longer versus yep. the non-Christian, they're still completely defined and they will That's never right. be free from the circumstances. They'll never and be I free. Think, I yep. think I agree with you 100%. Just the, the difference would be where they're starting off. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. Well, this is, I'm, I'm just speaking to, if you're not a Christian, you can't do these things. It's, it's not going to help you because only God can help you with his journey of self-discovery and growth and things like that. I don't think you can do these kinds of things without God. I don't think anyone mm. would be motivated to do it because it's an obedience issue. And the growth, the reason why we do it is so that we can grow in deeper love and awareness of God and ourselves and how much God loves us and knowing that we're a finite identity and being a child of God. That stuff, I mean, that's just, that, that you can't do that without God in that way. So it's absolutely essential and, ne and, and a necessity in doing that. So anyway, yeah. So thanks, Sua. This was good. This was yeah. really good. And I appreciate your thoughts and your, uh, you know, and just your, your insights and all of this. And so if this sort of, um, if you have any thoughts, any comments, please, please. And, and just, especially if you have any um, steps that you've taken to kind of grow, grow in this area where you've overcome insecurity, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage in a conversation with you. So feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can comment on our on our Facebook, Instagram, or you can just send us an email, uh, Peter or Sua at wepastor.org. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll catch you next week. Take care. <laughs>